chapter number 18, and this series we're going through, we're winding down. I've enjoyed these, the look at, at various people in the Bible and the journey that they took, a journey of faith, which is what this series is all about. Today, we're going to pick up a little bit on the heels of where we were last week with uh, some aspects in David's life, and there's a lot of territory biblically that I won't have time to cover all of it, but certainly you can follow along, and then if you want to in your own personal time, go back on some of those. You are welcome to do that. And so we're going to move along because the Sunday school lesson really is a journey. This lesson is a journey. Uh, and you'll see that there's three aspects of David's life we're going to look at. And as we call this lesson, the journey to Zion. And if you have your Bibles there in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Now remember, Jonathan was Saul's son, and it was kind of a unique friendship that God gave to Saul's son, Jonathan, and David. And the Bible says that their soul was knit together, and Jonathan loved him, talking about David, as his own soul. Verse 2, Saul took him that day, talking about David, and would, would, would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David. Now think about the significance of that. That was a, the robe of a prince that was given to David. Now we all know what God did earlier in David's life, and eventually that's going to come out even in the lesson today, but that was significant that Jonathan gave David his robe and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and was also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, remember the Goliath, right? The Bible says here, when David was returned, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with uh, tabrets and joy, uh, with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands. And David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me they have ascribed but thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. Now, as we get into the story this morning, again, last week, what we saw was that God, through Samuel, had anointed David to be the next king. Now, I mentioned last week, there was a waiting period that David didn't become the king right when he was anointed, but David here in this time frame is waiting for God's timing. And so God allows David to go, and he comes to the battlefield. There's Goliath. We talked about that last week. David took his stand by faith against the giant, and God gave the victory. 
And so today we pick it up as we're going to call this lesson David's journey to Zion. Now the word Zion is a word that's actually synonymous many times. It's used for Jerusalem. Uh, I remember when we were traveling and uh, somebody was telling us and I saw on a map that Zion is actually the eastern hill that is outside the old city. In other words, if you look at it, you can see a picture here. And if you see the, the dome on the rock, as they call it there in the background, on the other side of that would be the, the eastern gate. And of course, on this side of the city, now much has been built since then, but this would have been known as the city of David. Uh, it is oftentimes referred to in the Bible as Zion. When David became king, after he became king, he moved the capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. And so we see all of this taking place as David takes over as the king. Now, today's lesson deals with David being the king. And it deals with some aspects. In other words, these, what we're going to look at this morning are some of the greatest tragedies but also some of the greatest triumphs of a man of God. And I think it's indicative of all of us that as Christians, we're going to have tragedy sometimes happen in our lives. Sometimes God allows it, sometimes sin brings it. But we also see that through that, God is faithful in that we need to make sure that our heart is always right with God. So today, let's learn <clears throat> Excuse me, from David. And notice where it starts today with David's trial. Now, the great, this would probably be the greatest trial that David had in his life, and that was when Saul, King Saul at the time, was pursuing after him. Now, the Bible says here in verse number nine, Saul eyed David from that day. David certainly was one that the Bible records that he played the harp for Saul. Uh, Saul had a had an evil spirit, and, and David was called to play for Saul, and he played the harp until Saul's death, even during a time when Saul sought to kill David and take his life, that Saul tried many times, as a matter of fact, at least two or three times, that he, he tried to, as the Bible uses the word, smite David to the wall with a javelin. Now, that's, that's when you're upset at somebody, you know? Uh, that's almost like today, road rage, you know? But but uh, he, he, th this is what Saul was trying to do. He was trying to, to rid himself of David and by taking his life. But the Bible records this, that David avoided the javelin. He escaped out of those situations. And so notice as you think about his trial, what was the reason for it? Well, I think as you saw in those verses we read this morning, the reason for the trial was because of David's increasing popularity. I mean, David was the one, not Saul, that, that basically said, is there not a cause? Uh, isn't somebody going to do something about this giant? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, 16, all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. You know what David was to them? He was a hero. Uh, nobody else would do anything. And so what happened? Listen, even the children, the Bible records, were singing praises about David. They were talking about him. Everywhere somebody would go, they would hear people talking about David. And among those people was Saul. And Saul's heart just became filled with jealousy. He got very jealous of David, uh, about all the attention that David was getting. 
And I think it's true of ourselves that many times one of our greatest mistakes as a Christian is when we compare ourselves with others. The Bible tells us that's a, that's a bad thing to do. As a matter of fact, it says it's a foolish thing to compare ourselves with one another. And that's, that's what Saul was doing. We need, to, in our own lives, we need to overcome this matter of jealousy. Listen, God, the, the Bible tells us that the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And understand that, that if God is ultimately in control, all of that is in the Lord's hands. We ought to be glad when somebody is blessed of God. We ought not get jealous over them, jealous about what they have. And certainly this was what Saul's problem was, was he was insanely jealous because of all the attention that David was getting, all the popularity. And not only that, but another thing that really bothered Saul was the fact that God was with David and God was no longer with him. Now, does that bother you sometimes when you feel like maybe because your life has grown cold or maybe distant, that God isn't with you the way he used to be? It bothers me when I'm not as close to the Lord as I used to be. And this was something that really got to Saul. And look what it says in 1 Samuel 18, verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. So the reason for the trial was David's popularity and Saul's jealousy. But notice what David's response to this trial was. And clearly, the Bible tells us that David fled because of Saul. Now, again, a lot of times people think, boy, David was afraid to fight. Listen, this man just took on Goliath. This is the man that killed the lion and the bear. And certainly, I don't think he would have had a problem going against Saul if Saul was the enemy. But see, we find that David's response, David knew, and I hope you and I can understand this, he knew it was wrong to fight against God's chosen man. You see, we're not always going to agree when it comes to being Christians, but honestly, you have to ask yourself sometimes, is it really worth the fight? My wife and I, we have talked about this many times. When you get into situations like that, you know who wins? Nobody. Nobody. Who wins in a divorce? Nobody. Who wins when a church has strife and division? Nobody. You know, if, if anybody, it would be the devil, you know? And, and David knew it was wrong to raise his hand against the person that God had placed there. I've learned that over the years as, as God's given me many wonderful people <clears throat> to be under their authority. And I've realized, hey, listen, uh, ultimately that person is in God's hand. And David understood this. Look at 1 Samuel 19.10. Saul sought <clears throat> to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. And the Bible records that David eventually made his way to a cave called the Cave of Adullam. And while David was there, it was kind of, it's kind of a neat part of the story. Here's David all by himself, and then all of a sudden, all those that were distressed, and all those that were struggling in their own lives, they came to David in that cave. 
It's kind of a neat story. I hope you go back maybe and, and read that. But, but as David was there, even while he was surrounded by those who in their own way were saying, hey, David, we love you, we support you, we understand what's going on, the Bible clearly tells us that David was very discouraged. And so David had fled, and here he is responding to this trial uh, that, that Saul was after his life. But notice letter C, that he found rest in this trial. I think I love this aspect of the Christian life that even though we're in the middle of a storm, even though there's a, t a test going on, that right in the middle of it, we can find peace. We can find rest. Well, ultimately, where was David's hope? It was in the Lord. David realized that, listen, there was nothing he could do, nothing that was right in the sight of God. So after a, a trying time, and again, you could go back in 1 Samuel, you can read where David because of what happened at Ziklag, if you remember that story, that they had taken all the women and children, and the Bible says the people spake of stoning him. They were going to take his life. And David thought, you know, Lord, I'm just trying to, to do right by you. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Hey, this is the guy that just, isn't this how fickle people are? That, that, listen, remember where they, they used to love the Lord Jesus and they wanted to come see his miracles and they wanted to, the, to see him hear the things that he would speak. And then just shortly after that, what are they crying? Crucify him. So here's these people now that were all behind David, we're behind you. And the Bible says, at the first sign of trouble, they spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But look at this statement, David encouraged himself where? In the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. So what did God do? God continued, even through some of this trial, God continued to lead David. God never forsook him in all of his difficulties. And today in your life and throughout the next days and years and months of your life, listen, when you go through some difficulties, can I tell you, God didn't leave David. God led him through those. God will do the same thing for you. Look at this verse, and I love this verse. It's been a help to me. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that year able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Hey, that's a great verse there. By the way, that's a great verse to live by. I, the part that I love about that verse is God is faithful. See, through it all, with the temptation, God will make a way. And God had been being there for David. God had been leading David. Certainly, look, the trial came, and it wasn't something that David asked for. Because of Saul's jealousy, David responded. I think he did the right thing. Instead of raising his hand against Saul, he just left. And as a result of that, we see that he found some encouragement, some hope in God. I hope that, that you understand this morning that when the trials come and it seems like everything's against you, that you can keep your eyes on the Lord and He'll get you through it. So notice that after the trial, if you continue in the life of David, notice number two, 
we see the temptation of David. Because, because the Bible does record that eventually Saul and his son Jonathan died in battle. And remember that David was waiting on God's timing. Well, here's what happens. Saul, the king, dies, so guess what happens? David now becomes the king. David assumes the throne. He begins to reign as king after Saul's death. And David, in his heart, he desired to serve God, and he desired to honor God. And the children of Israel were the people now that God had placed him over to lead them, to, to help them to do that which was right in God's eyes. But remember that God had told them that there was going to be many people and many lands that they were going to have to battle against, that they were going to have to go up against, and there were still many enemies to defeat. And so David begins to lead the people, and what's neat about it, as you studied out, is, is that as, God, as, as David followed God, God gave the victory. Let me say that again. As David followed God, God gave the victory. It was a wonderful formula. Sometimes Christians say to me, well, pastor, I just don't understand why this is happening in my life. And a lot of times I'll just ask them some simple questions. And a lot of it has to do with, are you obeying God? Are you reading the word of God? Are you, are you following God's will for your life? And, and listen, I can't answer those questions, but I just know this, you're not going to experience victory in your life unless you're doing what God wants you to do. It's his will and not yours. But see, as we think about David taking the throne, look what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, look at verse number 2, it came to pass, here's David in this time where he's following God, that David faced a great temptation to do something that was evil in the sight of God. And it came to pass in an even tide that David arose from off his bed, and he walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. So David, again, experiencing some great victories in his life, now assuming the role as king, trying to help God's people to defeat the, the enemies that God would have them to defeat. And we see that in this time that David faces a great temptation. Notice a couple things about this temptation. We see his lapse. Because what happens is, instead of David leading in battle, which he had been doing, David decides, I'm going to change things up and I'm going to stay home. Somebody said it this way as I think about this. He says, standing waters gather filth. Standing water. You ever seen a pond? Ponds become stagnant because there's no water that flows through them. David decided to stay home and when we are out of the way of duty, of our duty for the Lord, we are in the way of temptation. So David has a lapse, but notice I see his lust because he was idle and being idle is one of the great advantages of Satan. 
say, you know, what is it? Idleness is the devil's workshop, people say. That's why we must stay busy for the Lord. The Bible records here in 2 Samuel 11 that David saw he was tempted through the eye gate. The Bible says that he lusted. That means, listen, he, he literally took another man's wife. He coveted after Uriah's wife. He laid with her, the Bible says. He committed adultery with her. David had become apathetic in his life. He had become lazy. And David, quite frankly, look, you could say it this way. He was caught off guard. I don't really think David intended when he went up on that roof for all that to happen. Just like you don't sometimes or I intend when we sit down at a computer and we want to do something on the computer and something pops up. Or we're driving down the highway and we're driving our vehicle and there's a billboard or something. In other words, there are things that Satan places in front of us. There are temptations because God will not tempt us for evil. But the Bible tells us here that David saw, he lusted after her, he laid with her. Does that bring to your mind 1 Peter 5, 8? Look at this, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Here's David, the man that killed the lion, killed the bear, and killed Goliath. What took him down? A beautiful woman. Boy, you would have never thought that. But oftentimes in our lives, it's never the things that we think of. And because, listen, the story starts bad and it gets worse. Because remember, David's now been the king for a while. David, like so many that are in power, positions of power, David in his pride tries to hide his sin. I think it's one of the saddest episodes in the Bible. Where David comes up with this, he schemes this plan to send Uriah into battle, the man actually carries his own death sentence. And when David finally hears that Uriah, because David told his his, uh, advisors, he said, now look, when you get into the heat of battle, pull back. Just leave Uriah out there. That's exactly what happened. David was responsible for the death of Uriah and then, and then once he heard word that Uriah was dead, then what does he do? Okay, now it's okay for me to marry her. So he marries Bathsheba, the man who once had a heart for God, a, a man after God's own heart. You know what he was doing to God now? He was grieving God's heart. Now, it's easy to point a finger at David, but it's easy to get there for any of us. You know, David started to think, how can I get out of this? Well, he wasn't getting out of this, he was getting deeper and deeper in. Sometimes we play with sin, and you know what happens? The results are unpredictable. I read this story about this, this lady. I don't know if she was a um, worked for a zoo or whatever, but she found sometime in her early life, she was, I think she was in her 20s, she found some young 
whatever you call them, they were, they were uh, raccoon babies. And she, they were so cute. And she took, these, these, she took these little baby raccoons in and she nursed them. The mother wasn't around, she nursed them. She kept feeding them and I don't know how many years went by. And a friend of hers who was quite, uh, who knew the habits of many animals, knew the habits of raccoons and he tried to warn her that there is an animal instinct in raccoons when they get to be a certain age or a certain size. And she just kept saying, no, no, not my raccoons. They would never do that. And they, they, they tried to reach her one day and they couldn't and they went by her place and they found her and the raccoons had basically just, they killed her. She thought, not a big deal. They're cute little things. That's what happens when we play with sin. David was playing with sin, and it was all because of his lapse and his lust. But notice what happens is his losses. See, there's always a price tag on sin, the wages of sin. His losses were personal losses, but I think even greater than David's personal losses was David's loss of fellowship with God. That had to bother him because David had enjoyed the time that he and God had. And now because of sin, the Bible tells us that our sins separate us from God. And look at, the, you know, just to highlight a few losses and some tragic events in David's life, his, the, the, the son, the infant, between he and Bathsheba, the, the infant dies. David's uh, son Amnon rapes Tamar. Absalom, his son, kills Amnon. And then Joab kills Absalom. I mean, it, it was just one thing after another after another. The Bible says, look in 2 Samuel 12, 14, Howbeit because by this deed, what David did with Bathsheba, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, you plant corn, what do you get? Corn. You plant potatoes, you get potatoes. And the Bible says, whatever you sow, that shall he also reap. The Bible says, if we sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. When I, when I think about that, listen, that, that is what happens when we allow sin into our lives is much more than it just affecting us. It affects all those around us. You think about, you know, everybody, even the Philistines, knew about this great man named David. He was the one that stood when nobody else would, that took their giant down. And yet the Bible says because he did what he did, he had given occasion, great occasion, to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. It hurt the cause of Christ. Our sin hurts God and the cause of God. See, along our journey of faith, just like David, we're going to have trials and we're going to have temptations. But if we're going to advance, if we're going to keep growing in our lives, if we're going to see victory in our lives, then we must flee temptation. And just like the song this morning, we must keep trusting our Lord as we walk along. So notice that because of David's trial and the temptation that came along,
that if you continue to study his life, you do eventually come to David's triumph. Because David did suffer because of his sin. And David was to experience eventually triumph once again. How did that happen? Because of a righteous confrontation. Remember how God sent Nathan to David? The Bible records how Nathan uses this illustration about a rich man and a poor man and how the, the, the poor man had one little ewe lamb and the rich man had so many you probably couldn't count them. And what happens is, is that the rich man took the poor man's lamb and Nathan is telling this story to David. David hears this story and, and David says, well, I'll tell you what, the person that did that should die. And David is standing there, and Nathan looks at him eye to eye, and he says, anybody know those words? Thou art the man. He says, David, look in the mirror. It's you. I'm talking about you. You know, God has a way to get through with us, does he not? When there's something going on in our lives, sometimes God will use someone else like a Nathan to come to us. By the way, I'd be one of the first ones to admit, I don't like to hear it. I don't like somebody to come to me and say, hey, you know what you did? But I'm sure glad that God uses someone to come to me to help me to try to get things right between me and God. Because if I get things right between me and God, things are going to be right between me and other people. And so David, David is there and Nathan confronts him. God, God was the one that had made David the king, and God was the one that had delivered David from Saul, and God was the one that had given everything to David, but listen, it wasn't enough. He just had to have the wife of a married man. See, that's human nature. we got to have what we don't have. But I, look at it, David's triumph. It was, it was not going to come until there was a righteous confrontation. And then notice that after that confrontation, there was a real confession. Because the Bible says in 2 Samuel 12, 13, David said unto Nathan, now notice these words, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Now, do you notice there, when David confesses, when David repents, notice what God does. Because the Bible says again, David's confession, I have sinned against the Lord. And David, Nathan told David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Nathan exposed King David's sin and he called for David to repent. And so what does David do? With a broken heart. That's why it was a real confession. With a broken heart, David confesses, he repents of his sin, and he sought God for restoration. That's always the best way to do things. Look at, look at how he pours his heart out. Psalm 51, verse 3. David writes there, For I acknowledge my transgressions. The word transgression means to step over the line. David said, remember what Saul did when Saul offered up a sacrifice and he didn't wait for the prophet to come to do that? And he was told, listen, you transgressed. You stepped over the line. David, listen, you call it what you want, but David's sin was just as much a sin in the eyes of God as Saul's sin was. And David confesses, 
I have transgressed. My sin is ever before me. You have to know that even though David got right with God, he would always, always, every time he looked at Bathsheba, he would think about that child that died, and he would think about Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. See, it stays with you, folks. Look at, let's read on. He says in verse 4, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judges. David basically threw himself at the mercy of God. David says, look, this is all I can do is come to you and, and, and just pour my heart out to confess my sin, to repent and to seek your, your restoration. Well, what does God do? When we make things right with God, listen, the Bible tells us that God, look at this letter C, will give us restoration. I see a restored kingdom. God said he'll preserve David's life and he would continue his kingdom. Remember what, what happened when Saul disobeyed God? God took his kingdom away from him. God didn't do that with David. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. What a, what a great way to pour out our hearts to God. And notice that as we are confronted with our sin and as we confess, in other words, genuinely confess, there is always going to be restoration. Hey, remember what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9? That he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? Yeah, but the Bible says if we confess... See, it starts with us. Because remember, God hasn't moved. It's up to us to make things right with God. So when you look at David's journey to Zion, the city of David, the capital, David being the king, listen, that journey came through a trial. The trial was Saul, and the journey came through a temptation, which was this incident with Bathsheba and the triumph. How did David get the victory? By repenting. You know, in David's journey to Zion, I think there's some simple lessons we can learn, and that is this, that in our trials, what are we to do? Seek the Lord. Because listen, as we go through them, remember that God says, I'll go through them with you. So in our trials, seek the Lord. In our temptations, remember what David did with Saul? David could have raised his hand up against him. David could have said, hey, listen, I've already been anointed. But no, what did David do? David fled. And in our temptations, what are we to do? Flee. Get out of there. Just like a Joseph. Don't allow yourself to linger. Why? Because the flesh is weak and will give in to that. Hey, listen, you want to have victory in your life? You want to experience triumph? then learn from David. I guarantee you, if David was here today, David would say, 
I hope you learned something from my life. Don't repeat the mistakes that I made. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray that you would bless God, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Lord, this world needs to see real Christianity being lived out. I pray that you would help us to understand when we take matters into our own hands, we give in to our own fleshly desires. Lord, help us to understand the importance it is to keep our eyes on you and help us to learn something this morning as certainly we are not traveling our lives. Our journey will not end at Zion, but our journey one day will end up in your presence. And may we show up there one day without reservation, without being ashamed because we live for you and we trusted you. And we thank you for being there with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.